listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, episode 190, Bed Noms and Broomsticks. It's my birthday, okay? Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, the number one place to get your animation fix with animation addicts just like you. Each episode, we dive into the wonderful world of animation featuring Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, and everything in between. From hilarious discussions and movie reviews to interviews with industry insiders, this show's mission is to brighten your day through our love and appreciation of animation. So hop on your nerdy couch, grab some snacks, and get ready to hang out with your animation besties because it's time to dive in to today's episode. Welcome, welcome, everybody. We're your hosts. I'm Morgan Stradling. I'm Chelsea Robson. And I'm Mason Smith. And today we are excited because it is Chelsea's birthday episode. Yay! And happy birthday has officially come out of public domain, or it is in public domain. And so (laughs) the song that forever no one could sing is the most universal song of all time. We can now give Chelsea a warm official birthday song so happy birthday to you and that's all I got. <laughs> well getting back to our main discussion we <laughs> since it is chelsea's birthday she chose a very very special movie we let her have free reign of all the movies in the world and she chose <laughs> out of all the movies disney's bed knobs and broomsticks yep I mean, you guys have total respect for all of my movie choices. I know this since the beginning. Yeah, you're going to have to really explain yourself on this one, Chelsea. Her very first choice, she chose Rockadoodle. I liked the Rockadoodle episode. I just have a very sentimental place in my heart with this movie. Awesome. So that will be perfect. We are going to dive right into that. So, Meaning you didn't like it? No. (laughs) Yeah, you have some serious explaining to do. We have a different point of view here. So, happy birthday. It is our pleasure to do and review this for you. So, let's dive into our main discussion. After all, it's a step in the right direction. It's a step in the right direction, after all. After all, it's a step in the right direction. It's a step in the right direction, after all. All right, before we get started, let's talk about general information about this movie to wet our palette to set the stage. This comes from Box Office Mojo, IMDb, Wikipedia, bonus material, and everywhere great bonus material is found. The studio, of course, was Walt Disney Productions. Directors were Ward Kimball and Robert Stevenson. Release date was December 13th, 1971. Budget $20 million. And the box office kind of varies depending on who you're looking at. Wikipedia says $6.3 million and IMDb says $17.9 million. This is one of those, it's considered a live action hybrid film, although there aren't that many sequences that are animated, but nonetheless, because it has animated sequences, it counts and we are reviewing it on the podcast today. I normally do put a trailer right here, but as I was looking for different trailers, there really weren't any good ones. But then I, so normally I go for the original and then after that I decide, okay, I'll look maybe at for fan trailers because you never know what you're going to find. And then I found, the only one that I found was this one that ended up turning it into a horror movie. (laughs) Oh, I love those. (laughs) So I'm not going to play it in the episode, but it will go into the show notes of the episode. 
So if you want the show notes for this and you want to check out that horror trailer, go to rotoscopers.com slash 190. For all of us, what are our first thoughts and recollections, memories of this film? And we'll start off with Chelsea because she's the birthday girl. Yay! And she has some explaining to do as far as choosing this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so this was a movie that is highly quotable in my house. Uh, so that is one of the main reasons why I like it. Uh, it also goes back to like just memories of my brother and Marissa and I like watching this. And so, you know, you just have good family family memories uh, so, like connected to it. And then also just like it just came from an era of TV, of of movies that was just so in and of it like it was just kind of a stamped this is what it is it was just i have no other reason other than i just liked it (laughs) nice so nostalgia plays a heavy factor here yes highly okay and we are very upfront and honest about our nostalgia bias on this podcast so (laughs) i know some people really like to discredit those that like things because of nostalgia but that is a-okay in our book. So for me, I did not grow up watching this film. And I actually, the very first time that I saw it was I was my freshman year of college. I went down to the library and I checked it out from the library because the school library, the university library had all these DVDs that you could check out. And I was such a big Disney fan. I finally wanted to check out all the ones that I'd never been able to see before and watched Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Now, obviously I watched the whole thing through, but going into it this time all I really could tell you about this is that there's Angela Lensbury there's the the dad from Mary Poppins there's a few kids they ride on a bed and there's an animated (laughs) sequence where they play soccer with lions and a bunch of animals couldn't tell you anything else Uh, maybe she was a witch but other than that like the fact that it was that's that's still debatable (laughs) at the end of this film (laughs) right the fact that it was set in World War II and that like the, the Nazis come at the end and, you know, the very beginning with like the children who are kind of just being like shoved into the countryside just so they can be safe. Like I was watching the beginning of this. I'm like, wow, I don't remember this at all. So the, for the first almost like half hour of the film, it was just completely foreign to me, except for the occasional songs, which I do. The only reason I really knew of these songs was from those Disney's greatest hit CDs that came out in the 2000s. Uh, nice. um, there were different volumes and they were just kind of a hodgepodge of variety of Disney songs. And so, you know, any of the, be- there's like probably three or four bed knobs and broomstick songs throughout those. And that's the only reason I know any of these songs. So there we go. That's Ben Obbs and Broomsticks for me. Yeah. Uh, for me, this is one of those films from my childhood that like took forever. Like <laughs> whenever like a, te- a substitute teacher at school or someone would like put it on, it just seemed like it never ended. <laughs> and uh, so that's definitely one of those. <laughs> Chitty true. Chitty Bang Bang is one of them. <laughs> Yeah, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is yeah. the other one. Although I find that one slightly more entertaining than Bed Knobs and Broomsticks than, than of course, Mary Poppins. Like, those are, like, the, the three um, films that I always kind of mixed up when I was a kid. And um, I had, when I, when I finally watched the whole thing later, I, I didn't realize this was a war movie. Right. <laughs> There's this heavy element of, uh, of the Nazi invasion of Britain going on in the background. In fact, the whole motivation behind Angela Langsbury's character is 
to help with the war effort. So she's not just a witch, she's a patriotic witch. <laughs> Churchill would be proud. And so, yeah, Miss Price wants to, um, you know, she wants to screw with the Nazis while they're invading Britain. <laughs> and um, so they go off on this, like, quest, this magical quest, to find more spells. She, there's, like, a charter school. That she, there's, like, a, a, a witch school that she's part of. It's like, man. And I'm going to tell you right now, this is one of those LSD Disney movies. <laughs> This is one of those about- movies where the whole thing is explained by just giving these kids LSD, and that just explains the whole dang film. It makes so much more sense. I thought you were talking about the trend. Oh, if well, if you take LSD while you watch it, it's, it's also better. But oh, you know, I, I, <laughs> I only know that you know that's just secondhand knowledge, you know, for me. But so it was definitely one of those films. <laughs> yeah. So you know what's really interesting is there really is an obsession with World War II era films and literature. You know, there's tons of books even today that are set in World War II and movies. And for me, I have never these. I'm not. It was drawn a great war. My <laughs> husband loves anything World War II, and I really? have friends that they'll they'll read World War II novels. And just for me, like as soon as it's set in World War II, it's just like, ugh. And, and it's just interesting Again. that there is such an obsession to set your your characters or your plot in this time period. But again, it was such a crucial period in the world's history. It oh, makes yeah, sense. It but everything. to me, I just I never really associated this film as being, like you said, the Nazi invasion. That's the whole point of the of of the motivation behind the main character <laughs> is to like screw with the Nazis using witchcraft. <laughs> I'll be honest, going back into and watching it this time, like, there are a lot of things that I had never really put into different context other than, oh, that's a fun movie, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, a lot of things. Like- just just watch watch <laughs> the armor battle at the very end. Just no context. Part, just watch that alone <laughs> and be like, can you make sense of what the heck is going on First here? off... Okay, I would jump in straight to the end, guys. But with all of those Fine with me. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of suits of armor, like what was this place? Oh my gosh, the scale. It was a mu- museum, I think. A museum would not have that many pieces, though. It just didn't make sense if you're actually to think about well, it. They, have, the, they have their Where archives. Where would they store all of this, I guess? Oh, they've got their basements. Watch Scooby-Doo. Every museum has this giant <laughs> labyrinth beneath it. I think... Th- well, we'll get to that later, but I think that that whole finale is is incredible. But um, yeah, let's start at the very beginning. <laughs> a very, a very great good. place to start. Which this kind of did remind me a little bit about the Sound of Music, which is set in the same era. It's a musical. It's not Disney per se, but I th- it has you know Angela Lansbury's I guess counterpart. They're not really rivals in a way, but they were just kind of like these leading ladies that sing in the fifties and sixties where we have Angela Lansbury, but there, there were a few elements that I was like, ah, this kind of is like sound of music, but not, not that many. (laughs) Mm. What was really interesting is that Julie Andrews was offered this part first before Angela Lansbury. And, but was this before Mary Poppins? Pre-production for this film was going on at the same time as Mary Poppins because you had the Sherman brothers working on both. And so that's why the beautiful Bryony C was actually supposed to be in Mary Poppins, but then got pushed over to this. Really? And As the Sherman they... brothers did with many of their songs. Right. If it, no, did, yes. if it got caught from one, it's in the Jungle Book or it's right, in... Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> All over Which is good place. for them. That's a lot of work. <laughs> it is, yeah. Well, so what happened is she was offered this one, and at first she declined, 
And then afterwards, she came back thinking, oh, well, Disney did give me, like, the biggest break of the of everything. And so, okay, I'll do it. But by the time she had come back and changed her mind, they had already offered it to Angela Lansbury. And Angela Lansbury was using this as kind of a jumping off point to kind of bring back her Broadway career. That was the main reason why she wanted to do this film. Uh, so it's just, it's really interesting how these all just, like, corresponded around the same time period. This was an interesting too, because this movie has a lot of lasts uh, associated with it. Uh, mm. First off, it was the last movie that the Sherman brothers did together before they, they broke off because they were having their brother's tiff and uh, that lasted until uh, 2000 and 2000 was the last, the very last thing that they did together. Oh, on I did not know Winnie that. The Pooh. Yeah. And so they they separated at that point. So you had that one, which was the last with them. And then this was the last movie released before Roy O. Disney died. And then Mm. this was the last Disney-branded movie to win an Oscar until The Little Mermaid. Wow. Uh, Touchstone received a couple Oscars in between the time periods. But as far as Disney-branded, this was the last one. Yeah, this one won an Academy Award for Best Special Visual Effects. And I didn't know what those. I never knew what those effects were until I rewatched it and saw the uh, <laughs> the rotoscoping saw, and yeah, well, the stuff at the very end. And okay. I was like, okay, now it makes sense because everything else is just animation. But yeah, man, what a year to win a special effects award in 1971, man! Like the sky was the limit back then. <laughs> yeah, right. But I I really enjoy some of the special effects in this one. They and there's a lot of um, they take a lot of time out to do like little song and dance performances, and there's little. Um, there's little like little bits and little scenes like when when they're on Porta Potty Road, and that there's, <laughs> there's this old man that kind of creeps up on the kids and he's like really bendy, and uh, you know, and and it lasts like ten seconds, and he wants to shake his hand. The kid doesn't want to shake his hand, and he's like, so he just kind of slithers away. It's like weird, random stuff like that. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. There's just like little chunks this is like an odyssey of like chunks of stuff that happened and it, it, i think as a kid it was really hard for me to digest this mm-hmm. um mostly because the cartoonish parts were were so tiny yeah. yeah yeah one thing about this film is that it like the film we just did kiki's delivery service it very much is taking its time and has a slower pace than a lot of the films that we're used to today which are boom, 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 get into the action, off you go. And there's really not a lot of time. But this, even within the musical numbers, like you say, Mason, there's these extended dance scenes and there's extended parts of it. You know, when I was listening to those soundtracks, they cut those out. And so as I was watching, Highland I'm like, Wait, dancing. this is supposed to be, it's supposed to end now. But no, there's four more minutes of like the Jamaicans dancing and the Highlanders and everybody. Right. You know? Everyone so, gets in on it. Everyone gets in on it, which uh, ex- extends the runtime and i don't know if it i mean i, I liked that sequence because i liked seeing all the different nationalities and cultures but they there's just a lot of those scenes that kind of just keep going and going and going that make it really long yeah well there were a couple songs actually cut from the movie <laughs> there was <and> more <laughs> there was more <laughs> and that was actually one of the other issues with the sherman brothers they left right around here and uh because of the fact that they cut a lot of the songs but left in all of the dancing because they were going to be they 
from what I was reading on IMDb, they said that the it was going to be premiered at right after they did the Rockettes, and so they but they so they had to only like stay within a certain amount of time so they ended up cutting like all of this but keeping all of this and i'm thinking why did they keep so much dancing i don't know mm-hmm. other than the 60s the fact- <laughs> excuse me 70s it was the 70s yeah that's I what guess. got people excited back then they're like oh man new dance moves from the highlanders <laughs> they didn't have the internet to just go check it out that's true no tiktok yeah this was the tiktok of the 1970s <laughs> And it's funny, like five years from now, somebody's going to listen to this episode and think, oh, TikTok, the MySpace of the... Like, oh, man, I remember that. That was so cool. Now we just have brain space. <laughs> I think the interesting and fun thing that sets this movie apart is the fact that Mrs. Price or Miss Price, she wants to be a witch. She's a Miss Price. And she, yes, and she <laughs> is taking this basically male correspondence Hogwarts course to right. become a witch. And you know, is pretty good at it and is, is learning and she gets her broom and she's excited. And then it really kicks off when she's missing the last piece, the final stage, which doesn't really make sense because at the very beginning, it's like, here's your acceptance letter. You know, the owl just came. Here's your broom. She's like, wait, but I didn't get my last part. So I don't know. It just, had she been there doing was it a long clerical time? Error or, and yeah. It, yeah, there was a credit hour missing on her transcript and she don't get to learn the last spell. Yeah, she should have, I don't know, he should have sent her the whole course all at once and she could do it at her own pace. But then we're introduced to the headmaster who is a total quack. Yeah, explain Uh, that to me. So he wasn't actually a wizard, but all the stuff that he invented was actually real? No, no, no. So he had found a book and it was ripped in half. And uh, so he only had a certain amount of of the spells. And so my, what I feel like what happened was he started this correspondence course where you pay every month to receive a new court, a new, uh, a subscription service. for. That's what I'm guessing. (laughs) This makes more sense to me. (laughs) So he's, uh, and then at the very, because I I feel like at the very end, because she knew about this spell and was waiting for this spell but it was like the last lesson and so she had to get through all of the other it's like when you go to uh winco or whatever and they like make you walk through all of these different aisles before you get to anything that you actually want to get to um but anyway like or the grocery store you know the milk is always in the very back Mm. so uh he ends up giving her all of these other spells sends her a cat i guess and this broom and like just along the way and then uh, he's like, well, I don't have any other. I can't give you this last one, so I'm just going to close it down so that I can blame the war. But what was weird about it is I feel like was she – I feel like she's like the only one that was doing this course. All you need is one sucker. <laughs> I know. And it's like I feel like he was like talking to her as if I have millions of these but like he had actually closed down the college because when she met with him he's like oh no I closed that and so it's like so did you just close it for her I was just that was something that well, I he, never said he, he closed it because the plot demanded that he, closed he it. right exactly <laughs> they said he closed it because of the war but that didn't make any sense because he still could have run this business and done his whatever he was doing on the street but yeah he it it was interesting, to yeah. say the least. But, you know, of course, <laughs> out of all the people that he sends these sham, what he thinks is just, you know, croc magic tricks, she actually does have the gift, if you will. Mm. They work for you. 
Yeah. Okay. Can we talk about the kids for a second? Go yes. Back to let's that please point. do. Couldn't <laughs> tell you their names. Yet, yet another. Oh, totally not. Yet another Disney movie where a bunch of kids get thrust onto a, a, a female caregiver who wants nothing to do with them, but then later <laughs> falls in love with them. Could we have condensed the three kids into two? Am I the yes. only one who thinks that? I always thought, Probably. remembering back to this film, that there were two, um, and then when there was a third, I'm like, oh, cool. I still couldn't really tell you their names. Although I think there was, uh, what was the boy who? If she had Paul. gifted or Bam Bam, uh, Paul. yes, <laughs> yeah, he was really the Scrappy. only memorable one. But we didn't yeah, need three. Yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, they had each one of them. No, even the girl didn't really have much going on other than her just saying, you know, kind of a random spot Quit here and, and there. there. It wasn't needed. I'm looking at the uh, the the box art for uh on imdb and on all these box arts it's it always features the animals playing soccer which is like an eight minute sequence and Uh then every single one of these has the kids just hanging out on the bed just like looking like little brats (laughs) there's even one where the kids are on the bed and um angela langsbury is like shielding them with her arms like yeah yeah like some like there's something horrible is gonna happen like and and it's just might because there's no seat belts on that thing yeah that's an osha violation right there a bumpy ride i'm surprised that didn't make its way to disneyland oh that'd be great do the bed knobs and broomsticks ride warning this has no seat belts to, to stay authentic to the, to the to the original text the sacred texts but anyway um that's that's a thing and then um some of these posters they they paint there's a a painted version where angela langsbury looks like she's like 20 when i know for a fact she was not 20 in this film she was 46 because i i always this is really sad but angela lansbury has just always been old to me yeah (laughs) yeah and you know even in this movie you think like oh she was like it was such a long time ago she was probably really young but then i was looking at her and i'm like you're not in your 20s because like for example in the parent trap in so 1961 old. one um the the lady basically the meredith blake she or vicky i guess her name is in that <laughs> one she um has like frosty silver hair and so just that alone kind of ages her more than she is and i always thought that she was so old when in reality she's like if you look at her as an adult you're like wow she's stunning and beautiful she just has silver hair but angela lansbury is it's not a spring chicken in this. She's 46 at the time, you know, when it was released, which is interesting um, and awesome that they cast her versus like a 20 year old or, you know, a 25 year old or a little yeah. bombshell. It's interesting having a love story with, with uh, characters people. that do not fit <laughs> the, the norm of the 20 something with, mm-hmm. with, with the slap and bod. But Angela Langsbury <laughs> still proves during this movie that she can dance, she can sing. She can do her thing, and she can ride on a broom, and she can command troops from the air. <laughs> yes. Full Britain. <laughs> Was anyone else yes. impressed when, um, what's his name? The the croc guy. Hold on. We're so terrible at this. Emilius. Yes. Did anyone else notice when Emilius was kind of like having a vision or his dream and then... Uh, Miss Price, she appeared, you know, like as his assistant, wearing like the fancy, uh, basically yes. showgirl vibe. Right, right, right. Yes, exactly. and I was like, whoa, there we go. Way <laughs> hey, to work you it, gotta, girl. You gotta move. You gotta. You gotta have room for those legs because it's a very physically demanding <laughs> occupation. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was funny. He imagines her like that. Like this is what we're going to be when we are together. <laughs> Egglandine <Yes, laughs> <Exactly>. and Amelius. <laughs> Oh, he can't help think, it. He's a guy. 
<laughs> yeah. That's the furthest thing from her character. If you actually look at her and know her. I know. Like, that's a no. <laughs> as as a man, as 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 the representative. Okay. Take it away, man. No, it's completely natural. I'm not gonna lecture anyone on that, but he's a he's a dude. Even when you're like fifty, like Amelia says in this movie, you, you never stop being a dude. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so yeah, so there's an invasion. There's a race against time to learn the spell. Yeah, I I think the interesting thing is that you know they he he took he found this book. It happened to be real, and then he changed the some of the spells to make them a little better, a little bit more modern sounding, and oh, that's cool. the reason why her spells aren't necessarily working. Like anytime oh. she's trying to do a toad is because he has modified the spell from the original version so it's not working the way that it should because she's not saying the words as they properly should and so yeah if i were her i would get my hands on the original copy as soon as possible Mm. um it's in the restricted section yes indeed. i know (laughs) didn't it look like uh the books that hagrid gives out oh the monster book of monsters monster book of monsters (laughs) i love that concept Boy, if you the got wizard stroke it, you got to strike it. Um, the the wizarding world of Harry Potter is like anything but practical. It's like we have the most <laughs> zany ways of accomplishing things. But anyway, <laughs> substitutionary locomotion is what we're looking for. Substitutionary locomotion. Okay, That's so my favorite songs in this actually are Eglantine. For whatever reason, is a fun one to me. Uh, because I like the fact that he's like scrolling, like rolling around on this ladder in this really cool library, and it has always made me want a library and a ladder just like that. That one is a song that I always think about. But then Substitutionary Locomotion is next, and then Beautiful Briny Sea. Those are the songs I think of. Beautiful Briny Sea. Yeah, the ones for me that stand out are basically the ones that were on the. Disney Hits album, which is Beautiful Briny Sea, Portobello Road, Portobello. A Step in in the Right Direction, Substitutionary Locomotion for sure. Those are the ones that I remember. And so when they started playing, I'm like, ooh, my ears perked up. Like, I know this. Oh, yeah. And Portobello Road, when I went to, when when my brother and I went and traveled around Europe, we definitely made sure we were like, okay, places that we have to visit in England, Portobello Road. Yes. (laughs) So... Mm -hmm. I have a picture of us over at Portobello Road, only yeah. because of this. So Porta Potty Road is like the place that you go to to find to find out about the magic stuff. There's they gotta um, they gotta get to the old bookseller. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just like a flea market. It, like everybody comes out and sells their wares, mm. and uh, they have to find the star, the star of Astaroth. That's right. <laughs> See, Chelsea knows all the names of things because. <laughs> nostalgia <laughs> okay so we're getting into demonology great okay disney i know i see you that i see you okay so there was a couple things in here that I, like this time i've gotten very much more like uh what the crap is up with that like first off we they never really tell us about what happened to the kids parents mm-hmm. they are, are am i supposed to assume that they're orphans am i i don't no, know they're, they're refugees yeah there's that war thing you know uh lying the witch in the wardrobe when they just sent all the kids away Right, which I do not approve of. So you don't? If the Nazi- so if the invading army was marching towards your town, you wouldn't send your kids out? I would go with them. Oh, you'd I go with them? Be, yeah, I'd be like, all right, let's all peace out. I would definitely I would stand like, my ground and be hand like, over my kids to I would the stand my ground and be like, take your swing. <laughs> you're, you're, mince, you're mincemeat. 
to enjoy. Um, <laughs> Shake harder, boy. Uh, no, I would. Yeah, I would definitely be. I would not be handing over my kids to the government. Hashtag save the children. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I just wouldn't. So that was one thing that bothered me. And then, uh, yeah, the fact that it was like all like the star of Astroth and everything. It was like, oh, wow, these are all demonizing. Like they take ideas and then let's just like soften it to, you know, it's not what Make it means. It fun for kids. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, oh, man. Well, I also noticed that, okay, they needed this. And so they just went and their whole plan was to steal it, which happens a lot of the times in the movies because you're seeing it from the stage or from the point of view of the protagonist. And so you assume what they're doing is good. Mm. But I'm like, it's been in his family for years. It kind of is his. Like, what gives them any right to go in and steal this simply because she needs to, I guess, save the world from Nazi invasion? I guess that's an okay reason. But It's a pretty good reason. I don't know. <laughs> is there ever a reason to pillage and plunder? No. <laughs> you mean if you go back in time and stop the stop the Nazis, but you had to summon demons to do it, you wouldn't do it? Yeah. I'd no. take my chances. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So we're looking for the star of Astaroth. Okay, okay. So and it's there's an island. And we hop into magical animation land, which for most people, this is what they remember from this film. Exactly. Yeah. Beautiful, right. briny sea, and um, the island. And the soccer match. Yeah, this is where the LSD starts kicking in, because we underwater now, folks. Right. Basically, any time that they are tra- transporting to and from places is when it starts shifting, like the colors go wonky. It's kind of like it in Willy getting, Wonka when they're- all 2001 that... Space Odyssey. Yeah, it's like red, blue, red, blue, red, blue, red, blue, red, blue. <laughs> like, whew, someone got a little heavy-handed with the color correction here. You know, they probably right. didn't have like after effects or anything, so they couldn't scrub back and forth <laughs> to see what they were actually doing. They are just like, screw right. it, put in more red, more blue here. Okay, <laughs> go every other frame on this one. <laughs> Nah, they make it though, and so um, it is. It is requisite to the plot for um, for Miss Price and Amelia's to win a dance contest underwater in front of a bunch of fish. And boy, do they have the advantage! They have this newfangled thing called legs, which we didn't see until again until the '80s when Ariel got her legs. And so this was like a huge deal for the underwater kingdom. That's true. <laughs> That's true. And they win themselves a a. A you know a a briny briny dance contest. So would this would, fit into the overall Disney theory? Oh, what where, is it? Where all where all movies are connected somehow. Hey, if you're a Disney theorist, then you will find a way to make it connect. Yes, you will. <laughs> right. You will find a way. You will. You will find it. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> let's just say that. <laughs> Well, this very much reminded me of Mary Poppins when, likewise, they're transported into an animated world oh, with the penguins. and then win a magical race and get the top prize. It's just like, oh, this outsider who we have no idea. We're just going to let them compete in our These live awesome action contest. people are so, yeah, they're so imperialist. Yeah. They come in, they invade <laughs> animated worlds. This should be on Kingdom Hearts. And they take the prizes. Kingdom Hearts 4 should, about, should be about stopping Angela Langsbury <laughs> and, and David Tomlinson and Dick Van Dyke. And um, what's Andrew, her name? Uh, and uh, Julie Andrews. Julie yeah, Andrews. Julie Andrews from invading other animated worlds and winning contests <laughs> just because they have legs and they have human intelligence. <laughs> it would fit. It would fit in the overall mm-hmm. plot of Kingdom Hearts. Believe me, there are we- there are weirdest <laughs> there are weirder things um, in that series. But anyway, um, you can have that for free, Disney. You can you, that you can have that <laughs> idea for free. 
My favorite part of the film, of course, is the footy match on the island of Ubuntu, and we have uh, <laughs> Prince, oh no, King Leonidas, and for some reason, for some reason, they really need a referee, although they there's blatant, blatant disregard for the rules <laughs> of football, but this is definitely my fa- <laughs> my favorite. I love that there's predator, the predators are on, no, they're not all predators, but the, um, the the yellas the yellow definitely more aggressive the animals. yeller yeller fellers are just chomping at the bit and scratching the ground trying to get at the the true blues and they're just like they do the little skeleton dancing sound they're just like shivering in their boots <laughs> um, I really love the cheater and how he has to pull up his pants to run uh-huh. and they all have these like little quirks um, really fun fun stuff and while I was watching it, I was like man if I ever was ever teaching an animation class and I wanted to go over the 12 principles of animation I would just show this sequence because everything's in there on at mm-hmm. such an exaggerated scale and it's so self-contained in that one sequence so uh, I would I would definitely show that and so much squash and stretch anticipation like comedic timing and staging and um, you know the secondary motion of all the fun animal things going on and you know appealing characters because like it fits like the rhinoceros is a hardhead you know and the king is very the lion king is very proud <gasps> conspiracy alert wee, wee, wee. the lion king actually stole stole their idea of not from kimba the lion <laughs> but from but from bed knobs and broomsticks where they become this, a little bit less disney uh, betrayed us <laughs> i don't know well, this guy reminded me of uh more Prince John and the other Prince Richard from Robin Hood, which was to come. Maybe this is but Prince Richard while vibes. he was on the Crusades, you know? Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is all he did. This is before he converted. Played football. <laughs> what is it? What is, is football? Is football not an, an holy sport? No, it's the star that he's wearing. And oh, that's right. right. His, demon, his demon icon. His graven image. Oh. <laughs> Oh boy! Well, awesome. King Richard converted from his demon worship and became a crusader. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that was any improvement, but but anyway, here we are. And so I really enjoyed this as a kid because as a as a young boy of you know six to eight years old, I really enjoyed footage of people getting run over by things. And so watching Emilius get get totally torn apart by the soccer team and then the freaking vultures man i love their disappointment also pulled from either jungle book or robin hood hey they might not look like much but they got hearts and feelings too (laughs) yeah they couldn't they couldn't book the beatles for this but um they couldn't get their likenesses for this one but yeah i love their disappointment every time they can't collect uh as as the undertakers but (laughs) <laughs> man such such chaos and some cool animation like i i'm guessing this was before this was before the xerox years i'm i'm just gonna th- i i do believe that or maybe no it was after the xerox, well, the xerox years those yeah, were the after. 60s and um so i don't know how they i don't know how they accomplished because wasn't the beginning of the xerox uh 101 Dalmatians, and it went through robin hood believe yeah. so so but this doesn't smack dab. the animation doesn't look like it like i can't see like the smears of the right you know i can't see like the artifacts up. and stuff so but like sequences where they're all like tumbling and tripping over each other at once and they all careen into the basket or the basketball goal the football goal in the <laughs> net and stuff like i don't know if that was just a bunch of like straight ahead stuff or um you know or if that was just a bunch of transparencies on top of each other but some of that stuff is kind of cool to watch and um 
it's it's a fun like standalone sequence this would have made a good goofy tune you know Mm. there was a football one with goofy that's that's just insane and so this one's kind of got that same same energy Mm -hmm. a little bit of chaos after like the hours of of to my eight-year-old mind uh pointless dialogue and like globe trotting and stuff that doesn't even make (laughs) sense but all good things must come to an end because our our swindler emilius our 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 con man our practitioner of prestigitation uh switches the star of astaroth with his referee whistle Dusty muzzle. You know how I feel about this. <laughs> Which they discover later that they didn't even need it in the first place. That they just needed right. the text. Which I would have thought from the very beginning. Like, you don't actually need the star. There's no spell that says, okay, you need to hold it the star, the star to summon. They just need the text. But, you know, again, that, that, that would have shortened the plot by 20 minutes. And we can't have that. This was the 60s after all. You had to hit a full two hours. They could have just been like, hey, do you have a piece of paper we can write down what it says on your... <laughs> like, instead of becoming thieves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Come on now. The, so they end up going back. I, I do have to say one of my favorite quotes from this section was like, the uh, no peopling allowed. I just that's right oh yeah no peopling allowed okay i i love i love to people i get up in the morning and i try to get 15 minutes of peopling in well i feel like the the last wizard that went there was probably the bad egg that ended up uh trying to it was astaroth he gave he gave them the gift of cartoon anthropomorphism that's true and they were like nope can't have this anymore yeah what a tale what that's a movie right there yeah, right. So, okay, we go back and now we are in the house and trying to come up with a a way to make things move. And then they come up with a fun little version of substitutionary locomotion. Oh, yeah. da, 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 da. It's great. Yeah, if something doesn't work in a Disney film, just make it into a song. It Jazz it up. <laughs> Jazz it up. That's right. Because well, that's literally like- what he, oh, basically what he says to her. She's saying the words and he's like, no, no, no. It needs more oomph. Yeah, yeah. Well, like when you go even on Portobello Road, it's like Portobello Road. And then he goes to the piano. He's like, oh, no, Grandpa, you can't excite people with a song like that. You can't sell a piano like that. And he's like, Portobello Road, Portobello right. Road. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, it's Put amazing. some staccato into it. Right. So at the very end of the scene, you have this priest guy who was like coming in. We have to make sure the children have have religion and as i was looking on imdb we got witchcraft dude right they are way down that rabbit hole you do not you would not believe where these children have been with this witch yeah so another option like they were looking at different actors to play this guy mr jelk was his name and one of them was elvis presley and i would just like you to take a minute to think what would that like Look at what act- the world lost <laughs> What would that whole section of anything with him in there, like, like trying to be a priest, <laughs> Elvis Presley? I just yeah the the picture just boggles my mind and makes me laugh yeah. inside. Yeah, either that. Yeah, instead of Elvis Presley, we got one of the actors from the, one of the apes from Planet of the Apes. <laughs> to think, and the guy from Fright Night. Um, but okay, so you're telling me that Elvis Presley was? Can you confirm this? How do you know this? This Are you using IMDb, your music so industry d- connections to tell us exclusive no. knowledge? 
No, this was IMDb that I just Is this something David Archuleta confided in you as part of the code of the musicians? (laughs) I will now pass down the sacred knowledge that Elvis Presley was once considered for a role in bed knobs and broomsticks. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. I'm a a musician. I can play the harmonica. There you You go. You can trust me with your sacred Elvis knowledge. Nope. Okay, fine. It's it's it's, it's closed. So, closed, how would closed. they have done it? Would he have kept his his Elvis persona, or would he have you know kind of? I don't know. Okay. It's like Michael Jackson in The Simpsons, where he did it, and everyone knew it was him, but it was never officially confirmed until like twenty minutes, Ugh. twenty years later. Celebrity appearances <laughs> in animation are such a bore now. It's like Peter Griffin walks into his living room. He's like, "Holy crap, Lois! It's Mike Tyson right here in the living room." But it's not actually voiced <laughs> by him. It's just right. And she's like, "Peter." Uh, tangent time, uh, since you brought it up. So I will the... allow one tangent. <laughs> Just one. You know um, we have music now for this segment, Mason. It's true. <laughs> Wait, we do? What's that supposed to mean? We have Meaning we have anytime someone says tangent time, we cue the music and it, we add it in post. <laughs> There's tangent time music? Sorry, yes. obviously I do not listen to my own podcast. <laughs> Chelsea, uh, that's okay. Chelsea, sing it. Take it away. Tangent time, tangent time, tangent time, tangent time. Never need a reason, never need a rhyme. Here we go. It's tangent time. That's great. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, so at this, you when you mentioned uh, that Michael Jackson was on The Simpsons, so he was actually the speaking voice on The Simpsons, but he had... They could not afford for him to actually sing, <laughs> and so they hired he like I love the Simpsons. Michael Michael Jackson has a guy that he <laughs> goes with him. If they can't afford me, they'll hire this dude <laughs> because he is somebody that I that I have Michael you know, MJ approved MJ approved MJ impersonator. <laughs> yes, and so well, it, just was his like, voice. it was He doesn't have to look could... like Michael Jackson. He could be three hundred pounds if you know. That's why the guy was white and 300 pounds. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's great, though. Boy. Yeah, so anyway. You could look nothing. Man, what a time to be alive. You could look nothing like Michael Jackson. You could be a total failure. And, you know, not that weighing 300 pounds makes you a failure. And and then someone comes up and is like, hey, Michael Jackson wants to hire you to be his voice when they cannot afford his real voice. <laughs> right. That's great. So he did all... He did all the speaking parts, but this other guy did the vocals. But it was one of those hush-hush things that they weren't allowed to say. But after he died, they're like, "No, we're saying Man, it." More, more tidbits <laughs> from out. the world of showbiz. <laughs> yeah. All right, in tangent time. <laughs> now you have to play the song in reverse when you say "end tangent time." <laughs> why aren't? Why don't we have the rights for that song? We could really be making bank. Okay, and so I think at this point, Miss Price starts to come around to these brats, little termites. I mean, precious little things. And um, (laughs) so we've got this situation where Mr. Brown just, he doesn't want to commit to being a a volunteer father. Which was weird. There's a, obviously there's a romance blooming, but then after the whole fiasco with the Nazis and and the uh, disembodied armor, he decides to, uh, you know, become the father of the children and move in with, move in and stuff. It's like, does that make it official? Do they sleep in separate rooms? Like, do they? Like, I never really yeah. got that they were in 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 love. Like, in love at all? There was no romance. <laughs> I mean, there was. It, I mean, well, there are no Aladdin and Jasmine. That's for sure. But you know, there's no sparks. I'm not seeing the the boom, the pal, the you know. Mm. I thought it was really weird that he kisses her goodbye and then like goes off and joins. Oh, the it's local the British militia. way. 
It's the like, British way. You you confess your love, then you immediately join the army. But it's, it's the like stiff this is a local lip. militia that just kind of like walks around the town. Like it's not that big of a deal, right? And I he's don't not know. even you from there. You know, they train very they train very hard. You know, <laughs> and they've got Dungeons and Dragons on Thursdays, and sometimes that bleeds over into Fridays because they go late, <laughs> and so you know it's a commitment. <laughs> it is a commitment. Oh, funny. As 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 fate would have it, the Nazis decide to come and blow up the local um, children's refugee center, as they do, and um, just in time. You know, just in times. So, oh, oh, there, and there's a the whole rabbit thing. Oh, follow the white rabbit. That's another thing. Yeah. So he learns a little magic, and he and he is a what do you call it? A he's an animagus. Yes. He's an animagus like <laughs> Professor McGonagall. So nope. anyway, he decides to the they decide to um you know stand their ground and win one for Britain and so we so there there's some fighting there's some espionage there's some fighting there's some disguises you know there's some the, enchantment the and then we finally get this incredible climax of the film where it's just like yeah. scores and scores and legions of animated armor just show and then up my favorite part is when the scots show up with the bagpipes and everyone just turns and looks at him like what oh that's right the king like looks to his right and there's there's like, the old going? medieval people and he looks to his left and there's like the conquistadors and the um and the red coats and stuff so man were they, like they are all in for britain their yeah, british yeah. pride like it, it transcends time and space and um, if if I was a spirit and I could if it, like a dead spirit and I could come back in a suit of armor and like beat up on a bunch of Nazis, that'd be like the funnest thing because they're like taking rounds to the <laughs> to the head, you know, and they're like they're taking machine gun rounds and then they just take the helmet off and <laughs> just dump the, dump the bullets. But this is a Disney film, so they actually can't like stab or dismember or eviscerate any of these bad guys and so they just do like kind of cartoon mischief type violence like uh spitting a <laughs> bullet at a nazi and it knocks him out right or kicking one in the bum and sending him running or my favorite one is the and i don't know how they did how they pulled this off but it's the lower half of a suit of armor and it's walking and stuck inside of the um of the suit of the pants part of the suit is a, a nazi who's like feet are dangling and he can't move you know you know the old stick oh, a guy in the barrel gag happening. Oh, is this more movie magic that only Chelsea knows? Uh, IMDb knows oh, it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, there is no magic left in the world, is there? Chess the internet. <laughs> no. no th- so he's actually walking, and then they just have animatronic legs stuck oh. to his hips. So it's like when you go to those, you have those uh, I see that guy walking Halloween. around the Disney parks. Yes. It's, it's like when you have those Halloween costumes where it's like, you know, people are oh, partially yeah. here or there they're, they're like riding an ostrich you know right <laughs> but yeah the ostrich is just them i've seen uh pet uh pet costumes like that and those they're like really funny they are funny. why was your first go-to riding an ostrich huh? <laughs> i don't know because <laughs> who wouldn't of course <laughs> i mean that's definitely something you can't do like normally next on our list we're going to be watching swiss family robinson oh just that's for right Mason. that's right they did it in there <laughs> I don't know. I call the zebra. Oh, the zebra. Very good. I want my tiger. And then, so they just wail on these guys and they send them running. But, you know, the, the, the chumps that they are, they can't, they can't just retreat without blowing something up and ruining someone's lives. So they actually put an end to Miss Price's, uh, 
black magic career, a career delving into the occult, and they blow up her workshop, basically. So what happens oh. is she's just like, well, that's it. That's that. Because she has a horrible memory and can't remember yeah. anything, she took so... One, all she right. took one for Britain, and man, the... Well... The, um, the bowl, the bowler hat, and the um, the the flag at the end of her broom. She is she is decked out. Yeah, I guess she could go find the book guy and get the second half of the book and just rely on those spells. Or she still has her little mini version pocket. Oh no, she doesn't have unless her pocket book was with her. Eh, she yeah, forgot to charge up her that. Kindle, so now. <laughs> My favorite part is when she gets blown out of the sky by the explosion and the next shot of, so she reacts, Angela Lansbury reacts. And then the next shot is like a mannequin being tossed in the air with like a broom. <laughs> it's like, man, that's great stuff. She just lands in the bushes. Yeah. So anyway, um, movie magic right there at its finest. Yeah. And so, uh, we're joining the militia now, you know, but the end. Yeah. But the she end. thwarted yeah. the Nazi invasion they, using using black magic, and so... They scare them all away. And then it shows at the very end, it's like, there was some... Nobody really knows what happened that night. I guess there was some notice of people, but, you know, it just kind of went away. They didn't have brooms of their own to get on the scene fast enough. <laughs> right. You know? So, yeah, big hullabaloo, but no one really knows what's happened in the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any questions? No. Goodbye. The end. What, what does Mad Eye Moody say? <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. They're all they're all they're all old people too. So, but there could there could have been a sequel yeah. because at the very end, um, one of the I think one of the kids is like, I still have the bed knob. Right. So it's like, hmm. If you were to write bed knobs and broomsticks to the broomstickening, <laughs> who would star in it, and what would the plot be about? Like today. So obviously, if it yeah, so if if they remade bed knobs and broomsticks, or, or or the more honorable thing is to make a sequel instead of just rebooting the whole thing and claiming the ugh. anyway. So I think it would mandatory have to have Josh Gad in it. Uh, mandatory. You could see that, yeah. Yeah, mandatory um, would have to have. Would he be Amelius Brown? So Josh Gad would actually Gad. be the warthog at the soccer match. But he would, okay. he would, there'd be no CG. It would just be Josh Gad with a warthog, like, prosthetic uh, face. And um, <laughs> and that would just be it. This would be a very abstract, very, very dark film. Very, very dark and gritty. Um, and so he would basically carry everything. It's going to be one of those films where he actually plays 90% of the cast. You know, like Master of Disguise or Austin mm-hmm. Powers. Um, <laughs> right. We probably need to have uh probably need to have donald glover in there somewhere so is he the kid that grew up donald glover is um the narrator he shows up he's the omniscient narrator and he shows up and he expounds on things that are happening so the year is 2020 and and you know and so bed knobs and broomsticks 2 is about um the kids all grown up and they decide to save the world by finding a bigger bed a bigger bed that can fit <laughs> People, yeah, fit people in it, and they fit. They shove people onto the bigger bed, and they rise out of the air to get out of the um, get out of the airborne qualities of COVID nineteen. You know, this oh. is a very this is this is a very poignant. It's a very um, brave, very impactful film, and okay. Josh Gad plays almost every character, <laughs> and Jeff Bridges plays King Leonidas, 
I mean, because he only always, he could do it. Because he always plays those bombastic, uh, insane characters, um, you know. And then, you know, I think... I really want Robert Pattinson to be in this movie, but I just don't know how. Like, he's like... <laughs> He is overbooked this to these days. So, since this is a darker no. and a grittier film, he could be the king. Did you see him in the movie The King? No. Oh, he played this French character who's great. So oui, oui. you know we could fit him in. He could be if, on the they, if they superimpose, like if they project they his him face onto the soccer ball, then that could be a nice little cameo. <laughs> Sneak him in. No, he's the bookman. He's the bookman. He's the bookman. Oh, okay, okay, perfect. Well, there we go, guys. Who am if I... you were really hankering for a recast, remake, reboot, <laughs> sequel Who am I missing? of oh, Knobs need... and Broomsticks, there you go. Millie Bobby Brown plays every child. Okay. We're condensing all the children into one child, and uh, <laughs> she is a child genius because she's the she always plays the, the special character that you know is is great. They leave her in the underwater kingdom because she really wants to dance, and. Um, huh. And that's Makes just sense. kind of it. They they swing by every two years to replenish her replenish her oxygen supply. You know, it's a very dark and gritty film. I, it's not it's it's got it's not for everyone, but it's got a little something for everyone. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I like it. So, guys, with that, I mean, I, that's the movie I really want to watch. But we just watched <laughs> this one. So, what would you rate it? I'm going to give this movie four stars because it's enjoyable imaginative and easily quotable and i've got enough it's just i've got enough good feelings about it that i'm like yeah it's four stars i'm probably gonna give it two and a half stars it was okay and there were definitely points that i liked which mostly are found in the animation sequences and some of the songs are super memorable but it really does drag and it's slow. Um, it's really slow at the beginning. It kind of picks up in the middle once we start getting on the quest. But then even then it's a little slow. And at the very end, while that sequence is really cool with the the coats of the suits of armor and everything that's happening there. And of course, you know, uh, the Nazi invasion <laughs> that they just decided to appear um, and invade this little town. So but still it, it kind of is slow once they get back into reality and start having to figure things back out. So yeah, I just don't have a lot of nostalgia attached to this film and watching it this time around, it was like, okay, yeah, I'm just watching it. And it, there are definitely good moments, but I don't need to watch it for a while. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I'd probably give it something like two stars. Maybe I still have the mind of an eight year old, but I just found this kind of, long and boring and uh i'm happy that it has a a special place in chelsea's heart and uh i <laughs> really like go. the soccer match and the part at the end with the suits of armor but other than that um a lot of this film's kind of forgettable for me it just didn't didn't fit into my childhood so i have like no nostalgic like connection to it um mm-hmm. like some of the song and dance stuff is kind of cool um to watch um but yeah that's about it <laughs> sorry no problems we're cool <laughs> Happy birthday, Chelsea. (laughs) Thank you. Appreciate it. (laughs) I enjoyed myself, and that is all I care about on my birthday. Yay. Yay. (laughs) How pleasant bobbing along, bobbing along on the bottom of the beautiful briny sea. What a chance to get a better peep at the plants and creatures of the deep we glide
Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Animation Addicts podcast. For all things that we have mentioned and referenced in this episode, be sure to go to the show notes, rotoscopers.com slash 190. But before we sign off, it is the moment that everybody waits for. It's our Mason's Reviews <laughs> it's, segment. It's the timestamp that they fast forward to every yeah, time. Yeah, so like, all I want to hear is Mason's <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, yada, yada, yada. Okay. <laughs> and Mason is going to read one of our five-star reviews. This time it's from Marco. Marco did not select a voice, so I am going to do the Sheriff of Nottingham. Criminally, this podcast lets me know that there are others who are as obsessed with animated movies as I am. Stands out among the crew because it delves way beyond the surface level in their discussion. Great to listen to while drawing. All's well all the time. Man, I haven't done that one in forever. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, thank you so much for joining us today on my birthday episode. I am very much... Is everything you ever dreamed for in a everything? Podcast, Chelsea? Yes, everything all I ever needed to talk about and be able to watch this week. Yay! Everyone say yay! Yay! yay. <laughs> all right, for show notes, once again, go to 190. I've got some fun stuff in there. So, all right, we ready? Until next time, we, we are, are the Rotoscopers. Oh, sorry. Yes. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I, uh, I, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, oh. Um, Ubuntu Island. Mm. No, that's the Linux shell. Uh, Nabumbu. And um, do you think Mrs. Norris is actually Filch, but but an Animagus? <laughs> do they share any scenes together? No, they do. Oh, they do? Yeah, they oh, do. Together, mind. yeah. Well, there goes that theory. theory that theory lasts <laughs> like two seconds. That's all right. <laughs> Uh, no skin off I'm my I'm sure there back. were people on the internet who will still argue your side, though, Mason. <laughs> yeah, so the Nazis are... Because pre- he must have a time turner. They're preparing something big. What if Filch is actually the most powerful wizard? Did you know, <laughs> according to this theory... I can see the YouTube videos. Um, no, he has a time turner, and he just, like, every hour spends one <laughs> as a cat, one <laughs> as What's a What's up, you guys? It's your nice. boy, Mason. I'm here with another <laughs> insane, mind-blowing Harry Potter theory. I just thought of it, like, two seconds ago. Dig this. <laughs> Filch is actually the most powerful wizard in Harry Potter. <laughs> top, top, top 15 most powerful wizards. Number 15, Angela Lansbury. God tier. Angela Lansbury from Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. Uh, y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>